Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... You turn on the television and politics has completely supplanted everything. And honestly, it seems to me that a lot of people now are kind of viewing Christmas as just another thing to do on top of an already packed schedule. These days, when people talk about Christmas, I think it's fair to ask, did we lose Jesus? I mean, where did he go? What does Christmas mean to you? What does Christmas mean to those around you? Quite often, people find themselves at odds over the true meaning of Christmas, and that leads to heated discussions. Today on Changed by Love, we want to ask ourselves, is it possible God is okay with those heated discussions? By that we mean, is it possible that God is using them to help us see beyond the trappings of Christmas and to take a very close look at the Christmas child? That's what we want to look at today in a message from Luke chapter 2, in part one of a message entitled, An Old Man's First Christmas. Here's Pastor Jim. Once again, Merry Christmas, but I have to be a bit of a bah humbug. As I look around at people, I've been up to the mall a few times and around shopping, it doesn't seem too merry for a lot of people. A lot of really, really long faces. And I was somewhere in that classic 1963 Andy Williams song was on that said, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I was blasphemously changing the words in the store going, it seems to be the most stressful time of the year. I mean, people just do not look merry. They just do not look happy. And you turn on the television and politics has completely supplanted everything. And honestly, it seems to me that a lot of people now are kind of viewing Christmas as just another thing to do on top of an already packed schedule. These days, when people talk about Christmas, I think it's fair to ask, did we lose Jesus? I mean, where did he go? Yesterday, I was watching the news, and and it was about some gentleman who was deeply offended because his neighbor had the lights on his lawn that said Jesus, and and that was, he just wanted them taken down. He actually called the police. I I wonder, um, has has the true has the original, let's even call it the traditional meaning of Christmas been lost as there seems to be more difficult evidence to try and see it. Now, I want you to know that I am not against presents. In fact, if you want to give me presents, feel free to give me presents. I'll take your presents. No, that's, that's not it. But I'm not against presents. And uh, I know I've been a young parent And I know for young parents and grandparents, there are few things like a baby's first Christmas, even though they don't remember it. But there's few things like having a Christmas celebration with little kids. But the title of our message today is An Old Man's First Christmas. An Old Man's First Christmas. Now, I have been the pastor here since 2005. We founded the church in 2005. That would make this my 13th Christmas message. And if you were not here for the first 12, they were brilliant. (laughs) 
I mean, they were so amazing. We'll be selling CDs of them after the service for um, nothing. Um, so, <laughs> but I'm confident that this particular message uh, is definitely going to be the strangest of all of the messages I've ever given at Christmas. And it's probably going to be the most controversial. Interestingly enough, one or two people stopped at me on the way out who were not followers of Jesus and said, I actually really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, none of the believers said that to me. And uh, <laughs> per perhaps this will be the most insulting of the 13 Christmas messages I've given, but what do you get with number 13? That's because I've heard, I've heard that some families get into heated discussions over faith. You know, I know when they put politics to the side for a second, and then they remember to thank the cook. Oh, yes, by the way, it was good. We're arguing now. Just leave us alone. That actually people discuss the true meaning of Christmas. And here's what's controversial about what I talk about today. What I want to talk about today. Is it possible that God himself planned those somewhat heated discussions? Is it possible that God is behind the angst, maybe, that is at your Christmas table while some, or in the, in the house there in the living room when some people are like, don't talk about that stuff. You know how those conversations go. Somebody says something to the religious guy in the crowd, and then they answer, and then it starts. And then they look at the person, they ask the question, go, why do you always bring that stuff up? Like, you asked me, you asked me. But maybe is some of that according to God's plan? I'm not saying to be hateful. I'm not saying to be uh, viciously angry. But I am saying maybe God is behind some of those robust and healthy conversations. So today my purpose is just to fuel, throw some fuel on the fire, figuring that we're, this is a morning service. You'll be calmed down by 5 o'clock tonight when your festivities start or whenever you... Uh, hang out with your family. But here's the three things I'm going to talk about. I'm going to give them to you in advance, but we'll go slowly through them as we go along. First, I'm going to tell you whose help you need to experience Christmas. Second, I'm going to tell you what you need to see to experience Christmas. And thirdly, and perhaps the one you might be waiting for, why we fight and argue over Christmas. Well, number one, whose help you need to experience Christmas? Well, let's paint the scene. It's actually about 40 days after Jesus has been born, and Mary and Joseph need to bring him to the temple. We'll talk about that in a second. And they meet an interesting man. Verse 25 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. Now, now there's, no, there's no credentials about this man at all, just a character assessment. And this was a guy who was just, some of your versions say, righteous and devout. And he was waiting. How many of you like to wait? Yeah, waiting. What is, he's like, what is the definition of waiting? Anything you can't do on your smartphone. That's the definition of waiting now in, in America. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, you'd be like, what in the world does that mean? Let, for our purposes today, let's call it the, the faithful expectation that things would get better in Israel and in the world when Messiah rules and reigns. And, and we are waiting for that day as well. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
So bank that term, Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death. So that might be a hint that he is old, has a sickness, he's dying. I don't really know for sure. Um, Similar wording to Jacob way back in the book of Genesis. So I kind of think that he might be old. That's where I cast my vote. Uh, That he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the chosen one. And just the beginning of verse 27, so he came by, look at that, the spirit into the temple. So three times in three verses, God mentions the Holy Spirit. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I realize that when the same thing is mentioned three times in three verses, maybe we are supposed to pay attention. Now, for some kids, not mine, my kids were, of course, perfect. Heather, you know, I'm a pastor, I have perfect kids. That's a lie. <laughs> for most kids, waiting for Christmas is a near-death experience. I mean, they are bustling with anticipation. When our kids were little, we'd say, you can't come down before 7 o'clock. 6.55, 6 o'clock, 4.30, they're on the top step, waiting to come downstairs. We're the tired ones. Now we're trying to get them up, right? They're like, we know what we're getting. We're getting gift cards. We don't, what's the big deal? They'll still be good when we get up. So they're bursting with anticipation. Now, for, for people of faith, and by the way, if, if you are not a person of faith, I want to thank you for joining us here today. I know for some of you, this is your paying your dues. You know, mom made you come, your wife made you come, so you owed somebody money, and they said, I'll knock a little bit of the debt off if you come, or something like that. I, I, I know the way it goes. I did not become a Christian until I was 29 years old, and I, I paid my dues with my family, so I, I know how the deal goes. So uh, thank you for coming. And I hope that Santa gives you something really nice in your stocking or a little extra something for for coming here today for church. And uh, as you're opening your stocking, now you're going to be like, oh, that idiot, Pastor Jim, I'm thinking of him while I'm doing this. This is not cool. (laughs) But for people of faith, um, waiting tends to do one of two things. Waiting tends to either uh, build your faith or it tends to take down your faith. Tends to make you stronger or it tends to actually cripple you. I, I've, I've figured out over time that what waiting is not just waiting and doing nothing. Waiting is, is what we do when we're waiting for God to fulfill his promises. So if we're active in our waiting, our faith is usually building. If we are passive or we are idle in it, our faith gets crippled. Again, if you're not a person of faith, I want you to understand that it's very important that you know that the Christian faith is not believing without reasons. I mean, the foundational thing for being a Christian is personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm, I'm trusting in what Jesus Christ did, his perfect life, his dying on the cross in my place. He lived a perfect life in my place. He died on the cross in my place. He rose from the dead, which proves God was satisfied with it. I'm trusting in his life and not my own to get to heaven. So if somebody says to me, why are you going to heaven? I say, because I've trusted in the life of another. I don't say I'm a good person because that would be trusting in myself. I trust in Jesus. So that really is the, is the basis of, of our Christian faith. But there is also 
There's also a philosophical component to it. There is also to faith, there is a historical and evidential component to faith as well. And there's also an experiential aspect to faith at all. But it is this experiential part of faith which is very, very hard to explain. And so waiting seems to have built Simeon's faith and, and, and he was just and devout. The idea is he continued to be just and devout. We, devout. we would say he was a trustworthy man of integrity. He was a guy where his faith entered into everything he did. He wasn't some guy who was one thing at church and something somewhere else. In, in his job, in his family, in his life, in everything that he did. That's why I did that thing about making sure you got your, your, your donation postmarked by 1231. Because if Simeon got a one-two postmark or something like that, he would say, well, forget it. it it's not, it's not going to happen. And so, and so Simeon was that kind of guy. Now, that is no small feat in the times in which he lived. Now, I know you're going to have to imagine this. It's very hard for some of us to imagine. But he lived in a time where there were basically two groups of people who hated one another. And all they did was talk about how much they hated one another. Oh, wait, that's television. <laughs> See, he was a Jew and he lived in Israel, but it was under Roman occupation. They hated the Romans. And the Romans hated them. And so it would have been easy to just kind of cry in his beer and, and his wine and just say, hey, hey, what's the point of, of faith? And, and another thing is for Simeon, he lived in a very, very bad religious scene. What had happened is God had given them uh, sacraments to do or, or rituals to do and things to do that were signs that were to point to God. Yet those things had become so ritualistic that people were unconsciously doing them and they were no longer doing them as a way to see God and a love for God. They were just going through the motions. And I love it the fact that we're not told whether or not Simeon was clergy. Clergy. We're just told he was a dude. You know, I didn't go into the ministry till my early 40s, which would have been like a year or two ago, something like that. And and I remember one time I went on a hospital visit and I was, it was sort of called in and I was out cutting my lawn and I went in shorts and a t-shirt and I went to the pastoral office to get a, to get a pass and, and they were like, you're clergy? <laughs> I felt like I had a disease. Like, did you say clergy or scurvy or <laughs> like, like about this ugly, ugly thing. And, and so as part of me has never really fit into that title and it's like a sickness he was a good man. And, and we all know that, that the church and the world needs more good men. It really does. And, and men, my, my challenge to you is maybe for all of us to say that in 2018, for our own personal life, will be the year of, of the good man, where people can say about us that we were we were just and devout, that we were righteous, that we stood for something. And so here you have this man, Simeon. We're told that he was guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is always, sadly, the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, is often weirdness in churches. People are like, oh, no, here we go. It's not, it's not the weird Holy Spirit. He was guided by the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Luke chapter 1 and 2, there's five or six people that were told that the Holy Spirit came to them 
And here's where I don't expect everybody to understand this. And sometimes we have to remember, we talk to people about the things of faith, if you're a person of faith, and, and you talk to people, and you assume they understand what you're talking about, and they don't understand it, is that I don't expect everybody to understand the person and power of the Holy Spirit. We actually do have on our website an eight-week series on that, uh, that you can, you can listen to. But let's just think of it this way for the sake of time. The Holy Spirit is the one who opens your spiritual eyes. Your Holy, the Holy Spirit, he is the one who unites you to Jesus Christ, and it is then Jesus who brings you to the Father. Now, this may surprise you. We all have weird habits. Here's one of my weird uh, hobbies that I have, is I love to watch atheist and Christian debates on YouTube. I really, I really like to watch them. Sometimes they get a little out of hand, and it's like, it's like we're supposed to be debating, not yelling at one another. The only guy who could pull that off with any sort of theater, if you will, is a fellow who's um, no longer alive, the atheist, famous atheist Christopher Hitchens. But one of the things you notice in those debates is they really can't talk about the Holy Spirit at all because there's no, there's no basis for someone who's never put their trust in Jesus Christ to even have that conversation. It's one of those things that, you know, there's certain things you try to explain to someone, but if they've never experienced that before, you can't really talk to them about it. So if you've never experienced the person and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, I'll talk a little bit one way you can know that you, that you are, that it's a very hard thing to debate. So Simeon knows that the Holy Spirit has come not from the inside, but from the outside. God, the Holy Spirit, came to him from the outside as he comes to us, and he basically told Simeon two things. He, 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 well, one he told him and one he guided him. First off, he told him, uh, he revealed to him that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. So there was a confidence in Simeon in what, in what God, the Holy Spirit, had uh, conveyed to him. And he was also led of the Holy Spirit to go into the temple. So let's, let's talk about those two things quickly. You know, as a pastor, one of the most unusual things that you do is uh, talk with people who are dying. It, it is a very unusual thing. And if you think that sounds a little uncomfortable, um, it is especially when you start planning their funeral. And I'm usually, if they're, if they're not Christian, it's a very uncomfortable thing. If they are Christian, I'm the uncomfortable one. It's amazing how comfortable they seem to talk about death. And almost always this is what they say. In fact, I don't know if I've ever had a time when somebody didn't say this. They always say this, Pastor Jim, at my funeral, would you please tell my family where I am and would you please tell them how to get there? And would you please invite them to come? And you say, how can that happen? Well, well, this is what happened here. The Holy Spirit empowered Simeon not to fear death. We live in a society, we live in a culture that denies death. I've heard again and again people say, I bought life insurance in case I die. What do you mean in case you die? <laughs> you are going to die. Bad news. Sorry to ruin your Christmas. Okay, but unless Jesus returns before that, you are going to you are going to die. And Simeon was not afraid of death. In fact, in an odd way, the Christian looks forward to death. But the Holy Spirit was also guiding Simeon in the sense that telling him that this was the time to go to the temple to meet Jesus. So here's my controversial point: you need the person 
of the Holy Spirit to truly experience Christ and Christmas. In fact, may I be so bold as to say you cannot experience Christ and Christmas without the Holy Spirit. You can do the presents, you can do the Santa, you can do all kinds of nice stuff, you can cook dinner, you can stress yourself out over the family that you don't like that's coming this weekend, you can do all of those things that everybody else does. But you can't truly experience the Christ of Christmas without the Holy Spirit. Now, don't despair. Listen to what Jesus said, Luke eleven thirteen. If you then being evil, now you're saying, why is Jesus always telling people they're evil? It's a comparative evil. He's, in the context here, he's talking about fathers who give gifts to their kids and versus a heavenly father who gives gifts to his kids. So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You can do that today, right here, right now. Number two, what you need to see to experience Christmas. What you need to see to experience Christmas. Verse 27, so he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when, his, when the parents brought the child Jesus, let's just stop there for a second. Parents, Luke is talking in the legal sense. They were his parents. We know that God is his father. The child Jesus, very important wording there. Why is that so important? Luke is a physician. He was a doctor, Dr. Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. He traveled with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was that brazen guy who was always out preaching the gospel, always getting beat up in so many different places, so he had his own traveling physician with him. Not a bad idea if you're the Apostle Paul. But what did Dr. Luke want us to know by specifically writing the child Jesus? He was real. He was real. He wasn't some, oh, spiritual Jesus. No, it was a baby. He was real. And so they brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. That's why Mary and Joseph were there 40 days later. Verse 28, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and notice this, he blessed God and said, now this is also known as Simeon's song. Those of you who remember, anybody ever been to a mass in Latin? You're not going to raise your hand. You're going to be like, that's going to make me look old, Pastor Jim. I am not going to do that. Well, that's, the, that's also, in Latin, it is the Nuke Dimittis. Sounds like the name of a mafia hitman, if you ask me. Yeah, we'll call it Nuke Dimittis. All right, so Simeon's song. You want to call it Nuke Dimittis or Simeon's song? I'm going for Simeon's song. I'll get tongue-tied. So here's how it goes. Lord, and by the way, uh, Nuke Dimittis is Latin for now, uh, now you dismiss. In other words, I can go now. Luke, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. That may be a case that Simeon's old. According to your word, Simeon believes that God is sovereign on the day of our birth and the day of our death. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen, and what, what did his eyes see? Your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Verse 31, which you have prepared... That tells us it was a plan, it was on some last minute thing, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. The idea is that you have, you have prepared your salvation to be seen by all peoples. That would include you, that would include me. Verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles 
and the glory of your people Israel. So let's picture the scene. There's this fellow Simeon, he's in the temple. And a poor couple, we know they're poor because we know they gave the poor people's offering. We know they're poor because of where they're from. They come in carrying a baby. He looks and he just knew. He just knew, why? Because the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.